following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. We are back live across Michigan Wednesday Roadshow uh, in the backyard of Mark Augustine. And he does the wiffle ball tournament at Mission Field, which is in his backyard. It is done every year, uh, the last eight years. Uh, 200 players, 40 teams, and the money raised. And, and a good that they'll ask of everybody showing up. So backpacks. Uh, for families and kids in Haiti. Baseball gear last year for kids in Haiti. It's really special. It's a great feeling uh, when you come up the driveway here at the Augustans. Uh, we do want to thank uh, the 2023 Wiffle Ball Tournament sponsors, and 100% of all their money donated will go to those families in Haiti. Mercantile Bank, Bodman PLC, Blackford Capital, Charter Capital Partners, Fox Motor Group, Hex Armor. Met Jake, uh, who's the West Coast representative for Hex Armor. Uh, protective Gear, what they're doing uh, in the business world is worldwide. It's amazing. Grand Rapids-based company. Uh, have Garris and Associates, Raymond, uh, Envent Element 4, Belden Brick and Supply, Pinnacle Construction, Stairway Concepts, Rightway Plumbing, Parkway Auto Sales, Marshall and Associates, Grand Rapids West Catholic High School, Andy J. Egan Company, Franklin Partners, D.K. Weiss, Holt, and Associates, uh, Visser Brothers Construction, Custom Profile, JVL Wealth Strategies, Chatham Financial, Clarity Family Offices, Service Express, Sign Comp, NAI West Michigan, Rhodes McKee, PC, Bruce uh, Cortade, uh, Tommy Sachs, two great attorneys, top three of all time right there. Uh, with Ken Sanders, Schneider Tire, West Michigan Dermatology, and the missions to Haiti are through uh, the great people at Crossroads uh, Bible Church. Unbelievable uh, day. I know I talked with Mark Augustine back in January. said, you know what, I'd like to be a part of this. I'd like to tell people what's going on because others will step up and help those families in Haiti. And we did it. Right in the driveway. I'm in his garage. His son's team won the tournament. Tournament uh, is not rigged, okay? So his son's team had some great talent. So he's a sophomore at West Catholic and a good guy. Uh, Just a perfect afternoon. Weather, uh, two afternoons, actually two days. 19 hours of tournament play, 40 teams, uh, 200 wiffle ball players, young group and the older group. Uh, well done by everybody. I think Clayton Safey is going to join us in a moment. First, uh, Superfly, let's get a leaderboard update on the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational two-person LPGA team event that has taken place with our affiliate 100.9 FM in Midland at the Midland Country Club 
Uh, some low scores. This is alternate shot play uh, for round one. Best ball tomorrow, alternate shot on Friday, and best ball on Saturday. But an early start on the tournament every year because the ladies fly uh, to France on Sunday. What's the latest from the Midland Country Club? Yeah, we've got some names moving up the list here. Matilda and uh, Castron and Kelly Tan are still in the lead with minus six through the first round. Uh, Paula Rito and Amelia Lewis are minus five. Yu Liu and Ruxin Liu are minus four through the first round. Lene Strom and Lene Johansson are minus four as well. Uh, Celine Borge and Polly Mack are minus four. They are on 16 right now. Uh, Celine Boutier and Yuka Sasso are minus four through 15. Uh, Caroline Inglis, Amanda Doherty are minus three through the first round. Sarah Schmelzel and Lindsay Weaver-Wright are minus three through the first round, along with Julieta Granada and Sophia Garcia. All right, thanks for that leaderboard update. Brad Tunney from 100.9 FM, our affiliate in Midland, will give us round two updates tomorrow, also round three on Friday. You need turn it or tournament or ticket info, go to DowGLBI.com. That is DowGLBI.com. Inside this hour, Clayton Safey for the Wolverine.com. We'll talk about Michigan football as they prepare for Big Ten Media Days and fall camp here in the next couple of weeks. Tim Stout from Stout on Sports on our affiliate, The Game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. What about Mel Tucker? Hashtag is state coming. In terms of the bounce back season and another edition of True and Blue, where we talk about the great things men and women in law enforcement are doing all across Michigan, presented by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. That will wrap up our hour. Right now, let's go talk to Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com. He is standing by on the Roast Number Coffee guest line. How you doing, Clayton? I'm doing great. Hope you are, too. Yeah, good summer. Moving fast. Hard to believe we're past the midway point uh, in July. Uh, as you're looking at fall camp and we get through Big Ten football media days next week, I think the biggest story for Michigan is stay healthy during fall camp and let's get to the games that matter on the schedule. Definitely. And they're entering fall camp pretty healthy after a spring in which a lot of guys – that out. Uh, some guys had some procedures that they, uh, you know, were kind of recovering from and getting healthy from. But I think that was pretty strategic. You know, they a lot of guys went, underwent some surgeries early on in the offseason to get themselves healthy for this point. So you hear Blake Corum's 100. percent Will Johnson is nearing there. Donovan Edwards had a couple things done to both his hand and his knee. He's he's good to go now. Rod Moore, the safety. So all sorts of guys. Uh, a couple guys banged up up front, but they're going to enter fall camp really healthy, um, and, and that's going to be big. And you got to keep them that way, and you got to continue to do that. They'll be able to get them some rest early on in the season and some of those non-conference games. That uh, let's be honest, the starters will probably be in for what first half and maybe a drive in the second second half, and then you, you keep them fresh for the start of the Big Ten season. So uh, staying healthy is going to be big. We saw it kind of you know hurt Michigan last year without Blake Corum at the end of the year, even though they. What they did was incredible uh, without him at Ohio State, but definitely need all the horses this year if they're going to try to achieve what their uh, what their ultimate goal is. Yeah, so you answer really my first question. Uh, where is the health of this team right now? 100% healthy going into fall camp, like you mentioned? Yeah, it seems like it. Um, as I said, you know, a few guys in the spring that were banged up, but I think they handled that pretty well. I mean, those were some veteran guys that probably don't need spring ball, 
at this point in their careers. Uh, even a couple guys that transferred in got got some uh, things done to to clean up some of their health. Drake Nugent uh, from Stanford, the center who I expect to start, and you're seeing him pop up on some preseason All-America lists. Uh, he was out in the spring, but should be good to go now. And the funny thing is, too, about all these guys that we've talked to throughout the offseason, the ones that sat out the spring look significantly bigger and, and more in shape in the upper body especially because they talk about it. Uh, there are about 10, 12 guys that were in there in the weight room while everyone else was practicing. So they were still getting their work in under Ben Herbert, the strength coach who has garnered a ton of, of praise over the last few years. So uh, definitely uh, you know, it seems like these guys are in good shape and healthy, although they would never tell us they're not in great shape, right? Everyone's at the, in the best shape of their life at this point in the year. Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com joining us here on the huge show across Michigan. What's the official? I know Big Ten Media uh, football days are next week. What's the official start date uh, for fall camp for Harbaugh? The report, August 1, and then first practice, August 2. So pretty quickly after uh, Big Ten Media Day, just a few days. And, uh, and those guys are getting going. They're doing uh, player-led practices right now strength and conditioning workouts in the weight room but it's going to come quickly here and, and we'll see you know learn a little bit more about what this michigan team is all about you know you're not gonna learn a lot because there's really no preseason preseason mostly will be uh, the softer part of the schedule uh, to start the year uh, if you were an opposing coach hey, if you're ryan day who thinks michigan every minute of every day uh where are weaknesses where where are exploitable parts of this Michigan football team on offense and defense? It's a great question. I'll, I'll start on defense, and especially given the matchup, if you're saying, if you're Ryan Day, I mean, you have one of the top, uh, probably that's, I think it's, it's, you know, not controversial to say the best receiving core in the country led by Marvin Harrison Jr. Michigan, you know, they have a really good corner. I think Will Johnson could be an All-American this year in his sophomore season. But there's kind of a question mark at that other corner spot. They brought in Josh Walls from UMass. Um, you know, but that's going to be a big step up in competition for him. There are a few other young guys that don't have a ton of experience that will contend for that spot. But, I mean, I would, you know, I know it will be game 12 by the time Ohio State plays them and they'll have more experience then. But I would try to pick on maybe the guy on the other side of the field of Will Johnson at corner. So they've got to solidify that. And I think that will kind of work itself out throughout the season. Uh, but the pass rush is something that, that I've continued to talk about throughout the offseason. Uh, they got to be able to get pressure and get sacks with four guys blitzing or, or rushing, you know, without blitzing an extra guy or two. Uh, in the TCU game, if you remember all those big plays from TCU, in the, especially in the second half, Michigan had to bring extra, extra guys to get pressure, and that left the defensive backfield vulnerable. So I think Michigan's got to have a guy or two emerge as a pass rusher. And then – you know, offensively, I think it's it's does Michigan have that counter on a week in week out basis, or even drive in drive out uh, if if a team is going to stack the box and try to stop the run. We saw it a good amount last season. Um, you know, it was a struggle at times in other situations. Um, but you know, are they going to be a little bit more balanced? And uh, you know, do they have the game breaking receivers that can help them do that? I don't necessarily think they have a first round type there or anything close to that, but I do think they have enough weapons between wide receiver, tight end, running back to be able to be more balanced this year, plus J.J. McCarthy's a year older. So I think that'll bode well, but it's still a little bit of a question mark, and I'm interested to ask some of these guys about what that next step is for this offense next week at Big Ten Media Day. You know, Speaking of Big Ten football media days, uh, Ohio State, uh, they'll have a new quarterback. 
uh, when you look at the Buckeyes going into this season, obviously second-best team in the Big Ten. So the question is, uh, what do the Buckeyes have going into the year? They've got a lot on defense. I know people, you know, and, and people especially around Ann Arbor, you know, we're, they're still making jokes about the Ohio State defense and how you know Michigan was able to have all those big plays last year. Um, but they have a ton coming back, and that's going to be a motivated group. Tommy Eichenberg, uh, who played you know, with, with two hand injuries last season at the linebacker spot. Denzel Burke at corner. Uh, Tumalau, or however you say his name, uh, at the defensive end spot, who had two, two picks and two fumble recoveries against Penn State. They got a ton of talent on that defense. And what you hear out of Ohio State, too, this spring especially, was Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator in his second season, has made some tweaks. Maybe he's adjusting to, to knowing he has more talent than he ever has coming from Oklahoma State a couple of years ago. So they got a lot coming back on defense. They, they're going to have a new quarterback, though. Uh, but you surround him with one of the best running back rooms in the country. You surround him with the best receiving core in the country. Kate Stover's back as their tight end. They added some talent from the transfer portal on the offensive line. So it's still going to be a loaded Ohio State team. I'll be interested to see what the media does in the Cleveland.com poll. Uh, which is the unofficial official media poll going into Big Ten Media Days next week. They picked Ohio State as a unanimous winner last year, even after Michigan won the Big Ten two seasons ago. I think they probably picked Michigan. I don't have a vote, but they probably picked Michigan this year. Um, but it doesn't guarantee anything either. Um, that's going to be a loaded Ohio State team. And the Cleveland.com poll, by the way, the great folks down in Cleveland have got it. Uh, they've got it correct three out of the last 12 years. So, um, you know, it's usually a team – that, that maybe not everybody expects. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Ohio State is going to be very, very good and talented once again. Who's going to be the surprise team in the Big Ten? There, there seems to be one team every year. Yeah, now some here are saying it's going to be Michigan State. I, Mel Tucker uh, was, on the, was on the watch list for being one of the top uh, coaches in college football. Uh, this year, so maybe some are expecting the bounce back year. Uh, who do you think is that bounce back or surprise team in the Big Ten this upcoming season? Yeah, I just look at Michigan State's schedule. It, it's so tough, Washington, and then you have to play the three you know top teams in the Big Ten East. So I think making a bowl and winning seven eight games would be um, you know forward progress for them. But I'm I'm looking at. I don't know if this is a huge surprise, but I got Iowa winning the West. I think that defense is going to be pretty nasty again. And then Cade McNamara, we know what he can do offensively uh, if you have some help around him, and they've added some pieces. I know their offenses have been kind of a joke over the last two years, but it's not like they've been terrible every single year forever. I mean, it's not impossible that they have a serviceable offense. So I'm going to go with Iowa. As far as a total surprise, I'm interested to see what, what um, Nebraska does under Matt Rule. Uh, I think, you know, he's a guy that, that can build programs, so I think that they're going to make a bowl game. That might be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Minnesota probably take a step back. And Wisconsin, I just have no clue on moving to the air raid offense. Uh, so that's kind of why I'm hesitant on picking them. That's why I have Iowa to uh, – I don't think they'll be picked to win the West, but I think they will end up winning the West and making the Big Ten Championship. And I know what you're thinking, Clayton. You are just, and the rest of the team, you want the Cade versus JJ Big Ten Championship game. We got stories to write. That one writes itself, man. Oh, my I gosh. <laughs> I, well, you think about it, you're JJ or Harbaugh, if it is – 
Iowa as you're predicting, and you got all and uh, Cade on there. You need to win that if you don't win it, and Cade yeah. would ruin a shot at a national championship with Quorum yeah. and Edwards. <laughs> you talk about the yeah. payback bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be – so the downside of that game, it would be a really fun one to write about, watch, you know, all that. But the downside, if you're Michigan, losing that game would be oh. absolutely brutal. Mm. Now, if you're 12-0 and going in and you lose, do you still make it in, um, you know, with one loss? We saw Ohio State not even have to play in that game last year and get in and almost win the national championship or get there. So uh, that would be interesting. But we're talking way down the road. But I do think we, we could get that matchup. Like, at least that's what I think. Oh, that would be unbelievable. Cade versus J.J. in the Big Ten title game. And also the biggest win for Michigan since that loss to TCU uh, was Ohio State missing that field goal because if Ohio State would have hit that field goal to beat Georgia, I think they would have destroyed TCU. And even with Michigan drubbing them in Columbus, that you could have had the Michigan-Ohio State National Championship game, but Michigan blew it against TCU. And if Ohio State would have won that natty ring, oh, my Lord. Wow. Oh, and no one would – yeah, no one in Columbus would remember that they lost. No. And they'd have the one up – They'd have it on Michigan. They'd have it on Michigan. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, Clayton Safey, uh, thewolverine.com. Quickly, i got a couple minutes left. Uh, every time I'm looking at thewolverine.com, uh, Juwan Howard's trying to land this transfer portal guy. This guy could be coming. You know, we're mid-July now. When's his roster going to be set for the upcoming season? Yeah, it's kind of how it goes at this point. You see some other schools in the mix, too. I think West Virginia is a school that has eight, eight scholarship guys, so they're trying to fill it out, too. Michigan's been in the mix for some of these guys. Actually, a guy from West Virginia who recently left after Bob Huggins was fired, Jose Perez. He's going to be on campus at the end of July here once the uh, quiet period ends, the dead period, uh, so they'll be able to get kids back on campus. Uh, he's a wing that uh, has played most of his collegiate career at the lower levels was at Manhattan recently so um, it would it'd be a little bit of uh, you know you don't know what you get until until the season happens but that could be a pickup for a rotational player and then another guy out of Memphis a backup big man Malcolm Dandridge who Michigan needs a backup five and, and he would fill that role but those are the two that are on the board that we know of right now uh, but Juwan Howard and his staff I don't envy them having to try to fill out a roster the entire summer um, but at the same time they've they piece it together uh, at least decently well to, to give yourselves a shot. But that's kind of where things stand at this point. Yeah, and I think Howard needs a huge bounce back year, or I don't think he's coaching this team a year from now. And that could be him moving on to another job in terms of becoming an NBA assistant uh, or a head coach, or um, Michigan goes in a different direction. It is a big year for Juwan. You can follow everything University of Michigan Athletics. You can get ready for fall camp, the Big Ten football media days next week. Clayton Safey, Anthony Broom, Chris Ballas, all at thewolverine.com. Clayton, looking forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Clayton Safey, checking in on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. Roast Umber is roasted in Grand Rapids Craft Coffee. Uh, you can get it at your local retailer and also order it up for your home or business at RoastUmber.com. That is Roast Umber 
Stout.com. On the way, Tim Stout from Stout on Sports from our affiliate, the game, 730 AM in Lansing. We'll talk about Mel Tucker and Michigan State football and also how much longer will Izzo coach at MSU. That conversation on the way in our next segment and also before the hour ends, another true and blue conversation about the great things men and women in law enforcement are doing in our state. And it's presented every week by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. Also, if you miss any huge opinion or interview, just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. Let's go check in with the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout from Stout on Sports and our affiliate, the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. You can hear him weekday mornings at 10 a.m. The huge show is heard weekday or weeknight uh, time slot at 6 p.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. And Timmy, football season is almost here. I saw Mel Tucker was on the preseason watch list with 20 other coaches for National Coach of the Year. Um, Stunned, if not shocked, when I read that. Bill, our staff never considers watch lists, news stories in any way, shape, or form of any sport at any level. And when I saw that, too, I thought, well, if that's the Bobby Dodd list. And I thought, well, if that would have been, say, a year ago or whatever, after the 11-2 and two season, well, okay, they're trying to create some interest. But after a 5-7 and seven season with absolutely, you know, limited expectations for this fall, when I saw that, I told our staff, I said, this is why we do not honor or recognize or publicize any watch list of any kind because all they are are rhetorical ways of drawing up publicity for something that really isn't realistic. Yeah, and what is realistic, you think, with Michigan State football uh, as we're getting close to fall camp looking at this 2023 season, which I think is a must-bounce-back year? I kind of make the similarities to Juwan Howard in Michigan basketball preseason top 25. They have an underachieving season coach in question. I look at Mel Tucker. I look at the underachieving uh, season. You see guys like Coleman and Thorne leave. I think at least a six and six year uh, with maybe a quality win and a bowl appearance is almost a watermark uh, for Mel Tucker in Michigan State football in 2023. Well, you know, Bill, last year, if the, if the kid doesn't miss a 22-yard field goal at the end against Indiana, they win that game in regulation, which they had dominated most of the way on the last home game in East Lansing. And then they would have been 6-6, six and six, and who knows, maybe they win a bowl game, and a little bit of this talk would have been muted. But that didn't happen. They were 5-7. and seven. They were back. What's a little bit ironic to me is ever since Michigan was in East Lansing a couple of years ago and had a 30-14 to 14 lead, 
and Michigan State came back and beat them in the fourth quarter. They've kind of gone somewhat in opposite directions. I mean, State finished that year 11-2 and and narrowly beat Pitt in the Peach Bowl. But since that time, as you know, everything that could go against them in many ways went against them last year, and they had to lose the record. But look where Michigan's gone. In the pandemic year, Tucker's first year, even though State was 2-5, and five, he beat Michigan, and Michigan was 2-4 and four and didn't have to play Ohio State because the game got canceled by, by the COVID issue. And since then, it's gone the other way. And, of course, the expectations at Ann Arbor are super high. They haven't won three straight Big Ten titles in more than 30 years, and you know they're going to be the favorite next week at the Big Ten media days in Indianapolis. I think that adds more pressure within Michigan State's front. When I get asked this, the hard part for me to answer is they have so many players that I've never seen play because they got them either in the transfer portal or they got them as recruits or they're going to have to bring up. And you think, well, the guys they brought in have somewhat of a background who they're kind of high on. And so, therefore, is it premature to say just because those guys are proven guys from a year ago, it's obviously going to be a disaster. I think they'll be 2-0. and I think they're going to play Washington as hard as they can play them because they're good in home games where they have a good record with plenty of confidence. Washington's coming three time zones. Washington beat them last year. There's a revenge factor there. I'm not saying State's going to beat Washington, but I'll bet you, Bill, that game, the lead-up to it's going to be pretty good, especially if Washington, as expected, is 2-0. Now, State loses and then gets Maryland at home the following week for a fourth straight home game. My sense is win or loser is going to be a bit of a letdown. And Maryland beat them by two touchdowns a year ago, and Maryland's quarterback is back. The ten games they play, the nine games they play in the league after Washington, Every one of those games, in my opinion, is a toss-up until I see him play. And I don't think you can completely tell, based off Central Michigan and Richmond, how good they're going to be unless they would lose to either Central Michigan or Richmond. Then I think, you know, then it's, it, there's going to be dire thoughts about how the Big Ten schedule will play out. Tim Stout from Stout on Sports and our affiliate, the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. Joining us, you can hear Tim and his crew weekday mornings at 10 a.m. Huge show airs in Lansing, tape delayed every weeknight at 6 p.m. It will be interesting, that quarterback position. You know, with Peyton Thornton, Coleman, I, I might sit here right now and say, okay, I saw his name on the watch list. They could have a bounce back here. Coaches get a lot of credit in college football. Uh, it, it's kind of like recycled credit because they were bad one year and they come back and they go uh, eating four. But Noah Kim uh, looks like he'll be the Michigan State QB. And I was reading Comperoni from SpartanMag.com, and uh, they think Kim will be serviceable. Obviously, he's playing D1 football. Uh, those early games are going to be big for Kim uh, to get this offense uh, under control and also just grow as a Big Ten quarterback. Yeah, I agree, Bill. I think it's a break for Kim, assuming he's the guy, and I have no reason to believe he will not be, that he's going to get two home games against teams that State's going to be favored to beat. Now, how much he comes along and whether he can handle the Washington game, assuming Michael Penix, the Heisman candidate, is on the opposite side of the field, isn't injured and will play in that game. You know, Penix completed 21 straight passes against State a couple of years ago when he was playing for Indiana. So it won't be the first time he's been in the stadium. I do think Washington gets a break and that it's a 5 p.m. game, so it's 2 p.m. on the West Coast, like a normal afternoon game. I think, you know, Kim legitimately in the offseason, Bill, gave Michigan State's coaches 
pause to think about maybe this is the guy we'd be better off with over Thorne. But I've been a Thorne guy. He comes from a coach's background. He's a team guy all the way. He has tremendous experience. He's had success. I just think last year so many things went against him, and there were close games that didn't go his way. If I was Central Michigan coach Jim McElwain, all I know is I'd rather go into the game in East Lansing facing Kim with little experience than against uh, Peyton Thorne, who had well over two full years as a starter. And how many times do Big Ten teams have quarterbacks coming back after two full years as a starter? And, of course, State now is almost starting from scratch. And if he gets injured, if you don't think they got experience now, behind them, they have even less experience than that. And they were able, you know, to try to jury-rig Thorne together over a couple of injuries last year. And I think they played a part, Bill, in part of his issues. He couldn't run as much as he wanted to. He didn't have Kenneth Walker for other people to target on the defense. I think that played into the whole thing for him. So now it's wide open for the Central Michigan game on the night of September 1st. Tim Stouts, Todd on Sports on our affiliate, the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. Joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee uh, guest line. Uh, this summer, running into a lot of Michigan State fans at all the live broadcasts and events I've been to. A lot of people ask me about this Michigan State basketball team, and obviously I think they're a national championship contender along with Purdue in the Big Ten. And then I'll look at it think if this roster is depleted a year from now, less than a year from now, uh, will Izzo come back and ramp it up for another group if he has a couple of ones and dones? He loses the majority of his veterans uh, and they had a great year. That Could it be a Final Four, Big Ten title? Could it be a national championship? But what do you think the clock is? And it's Tom's personal clock, Timmy, on how much longer he decides to stay and coaching, which is really different now when you look at NIL and the transfer portal. Well, he's going to turn 70 in January, and it's hard to believe it's 28 years for him now as the head coach. There are a lot of things you're right, Bill, he does not like about college basketball, but he's been that way for years. I think the litmus test for him all along is can he still get quality recruits? If he can, I think he can tolerate almost anything because this is what his life is. It's what he likes to do. He's told me through the years, Bobby Knight and Gene Cady didn't take a stupid pill. They got out because they couldn't get the players anymore that they were getting when they were in their prime. And I think as long as he can still recruit to the level that gives him hope that they will be an elite program, I think that, you know, fuels him every year. Then that assumes that his health is going to remain the way it is in his enthusiasm. He has tremendous energy, as you know. I mean, he just came back last week from spending two nights on an aircraft carrier as a guest of the military in San Diego, he was on the Carl Vincent for a couple of nights. He just got back from that. I mean, you know, you know, he never lets the grass grow underneath him during the offseason whatsoever. He takes part in all kinds of different activities getting to the year. I, the, the, the only hesitation for this winter at the moment that I see is that he's got so many players with high expectations and positions. You can only play five at one time. Are they going to have you know, time on the floor issues, playing time issues with some of these guys who have only been used to being the stars where they've been previously and getting a lot of playing time. Now, he's had to deal with it before. And he's managed to get through most of it before. And I'm sure he's aware that there's he, he has a polish as to how to massage playing time for these guys to make it work. If it's true they're going to add Baylor on December 16th at Little Caesars Arena, he's got, you know, he's got Butler, 
He's got Baylor. He's got Arizona. He's got a tournament with some good teams. I think he clearly wants to add as many good non-conference teams as he can, even if they may lose a few of those. He's got the coaches classic as well with Duke. He wants to play as many of those as he can, because even if they don't win them early, he's well aware that you don't win the title in November and December. You win it in March. And I think he thinks that's a tremendous way to prepare. And he can see amongst all those guys who can play in that environment. You know, look, the expectations are high. They've lost 13 apiece each of the last three years, so they clearly want to get away from all that. They're going to be very highly projected and and so forth. Uh, And I think that fuels him. And I haven't noticed that he thinks that his recruiting, even beyond this next year, is falling off. And as long as that stays good and as long as he has his health, as I say to him all the time, I'll believe it when I see it that you're going to get out, and and I believe that. Tim Stout, Stout on Sports Weekday mornings, 10 a.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. Huge show weeknights at 6 p.m. tape delayed, Monday through Friday on the game, a.m. 7.30 in Lansing. Timmy, good to hear your voice. Get some golf in. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Absolutely, Bill. Enjoy the show all the time. Stay in touch. Talk to you soon. All right, Tim Stout joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee Guest Line. Time for another True and Blue segment on the huge show across Michigan each and every week. We get together with the men and women of law enforcement who are doing great things all across our state. And this is presented by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police. And today we're going to venture to Jackson, Michigan, and talk to Deputy Chief of Police Sergio Garcia, who was a certified police officer at the age of 20. He has spent his entire 26-year law enforcement career uh, with Jackson PD, and he's standing by here on True and Blue. Welcome in, Sergio. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. Uh, why, at the age of 19, did you want to become a police officer? It, it started before then, uh, back when I was younger, probably 10, 12. I um, just always thought it was uh, neat seeing the officers drive through the neighborhood. Uh, they would interact with us. We were out uh, playing or running uh you know, with my group of friends and stuff. And I just thought it was really cool the way they interacted with us. And it took a a shine to it early on. When you look at where you started uh, at the age of 20 and your entire career with Jackson uh, PD, uh, the ebbs and flows uh, with the public sentiment towards law enforcement. And I think the greatest thing about this True and Blue segment has been presenting to the people of Michigan the fact of the human side of police officers and also that there are so many openings uh, when it comes to law enforcement jobs. I think over 4,000 in our state. Let's talk about recruitment. Uh, when Jackson PD and you and your team get together What's the message about recruiting people to become a Jackson, Michigan police officer? Well, I think our message is we want representation of our community. We want to have uh, people who live and in, in, um, are from the area so they can have an impact on the, on the community they grew up in. I, I grew up in this community, was born in, uh, in the city where I work, and I take a lot of pride with that. So I think that's part of the recruitment message there. Um, not to mention the amount of special assignments. I mean, throughout my entire career, I've been fortunate enough to have worn many different hats. Uh, I think many people would take one of these assignments that I've had and make an entire career out of it. So in the law enforcement, you never have the same day twice. 
there's a lot of different opportunities for advancement, a lot of special assignments. And I was never one, I think, to sit behind a desk and or uh, work on a machine was just not my personality. So getting out in the community, um, not having the same day twice was very important to me and for my personality. One thing I'll say about True and Blue that I've enjoyed since we began these conversations on the huge show across Michigan back in February, uh, the people behind the badge. And I know that means so much to you because police officers are mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, coaches. Uh, They support uh, the same sports, go to the same games that a lot of people listening to. Uh, Talk about the personal aspect of being a law enforcement officer. I think it's important for people to realize who's under that badge. I mean, that badge and that uniform doesn't change the person underneath, Um, you know, the the, the social aspect. I, I can gather and sit with people and talk have a lot of the same interests, uh, once again, support the same teams. We are the same people, uh, you know, raising kids, having the same struggles, um, you know, trying to just find our way through life as well. So life isn't always easy, obviously, and that badge certainly doesn't make it any easier. But there's people underneath there that are uh, just like uh, everyone else, just, just uh, you know, trying to provide for their families and do the best that they can for their community. His name is Sergio Garcia, Jackson, Michigan, Deputy Chief of Police. Uh, 26 years uh, with the Jackson uh, PD. If somebody listening, whether it's in the Jackson area or somebody across the state looking to make the move uh, to Jackson and Jackson County, uh, what's the best path uh, to put in an application or maybe sign up to become part of the Jackson Police Department? Absolutely. Um, The city of Jackson uh, has a website as well as the Jackson Police Department. We're also on Facebook. We have uh, openings right now for police officers. We also have uh, recruit positions where we ultimately hire uh, non-certified police officers and, and send them to the academy, get them all the education and training they need to become certified officers, not to mention cadet positions. So we're you know, recruiting those fresh out of high school that are maybe looking for a career path. The cadet program pays for the college, pays for the academy, and is the exact same path that I took, and it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been wonderful. Sergio, uh, my best to you and your department and all the great men and women uh, in Jackson, Michigan, who serve and protect uh, our fellow citizens. Uh, We will get the word out about the openings you have uh, with Jackson PD, and thank you for protecting and serving. Thanks, Bill. All right, Sergio Garcia, Jackson, Michigan Deputy Chief of Police, joining us on another edition of True and Blue, which is presented each and every week on The Huge Show by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police.